When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Welcome back to Hurt. Okay, been a minute since we had him on, but he is a good friend of ours. We love talking to him. He's at the Dispatch. He's an associate editor there. You've seen him write in a lot of other places as well. Good guy. Andrew Egger, how are you, sir? Good to see you again. Hey, I'm doing well. How are you today? Uh, good to be with you. Um, let's go way out west, even though we're both on the East Coast. A lot of interesting stuff going on in Arizona. I want to start with it on this, and we're going to be working off your piece in the dispatch. We will be linking to this. Read the whole thing for yourself, like we always says. Um, the Mark Kelly Blake Masters Arizona race has gotten really interesting for a lot of the wrong reasons. I want to start here, though, because you cover this stuff. You report on it. Somebody told me a long time ago when I started doing media, they're like, look, when it comes to political races, the writers always want to talk about the horse race. The experts always watch the money. You're watching the money in this race. You're seeing a trend in the money, and the money's coming back to a lot of the power struggle going on in D.C. right now. Yeah, well, the money has been, and as far as this particular race is concerned, maybe the most the most interesting story in recent weeks uh, on the Republican side. Because what we've seen is um, a little bit of a standoff, a little bit of a game of chicken uh, between Mitch McConnell, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who... Basically, his job at this point in the midterms is just getting as many Republican Senate candidates over the finish line as he possibly can, um, you know, to whatever extent he has the ability to, to influence that with with his own PAC money. Um, and a, a, a relative newcomer to these sorts of funding games, who is uh, a billionaire Peter Thiel, um, who has uh, who, who jumped in in a major way in the Republican primaries in a couple of states to elevate candidates who he knew personally and who represented a kind of uh, sort of disruptive brand of Republican politics uh, that he endorsed. And th those two candidates were in Ohio, J.D. Vance, and in Arizona, Blake Masters, both both just sort of uh, former mentees of, of Peter Thiel's personally. Um, in Ohio, uh, Vance is not doing as well as you might expect the median Republican to do, but he's still favored to win. It's a very red state. Um, in Arizona, Blake Masters has been lagging behind what you might expect kind of the median Republican to do in a relatively favorable year uh, for Republicans 
uh, nationwide in what's you know an extremely purple state. Joe Biden won it by a hair uh, in 2020. Essentially, uh, you've got Carrie Lake in the governor's race running a couple points ahead of her competitor, even though she is like as MAGA as they come. She's not you know exactly a a big tent um, person who's drawing from from like every possible Republican voter, but she's still running ahead. Blake Masters, by contrast, running against Democratic Senator Mark Kelly, is running about eight points uh, behind, between, maybe between five and eight points behind, depending on the poll. Um, and so with, with Democrats wildly outspending Republicans basically across the board right now, um, Mitch McConnell has been leaning on Peter Thiel, uh, who put up a ton of money for Masters in the, in the primary, basically saying, look, you know, you put $15 million up for this guy and you got him through, uh, through the Republican primary, probably over candidates that I would have thought would have been stronger in the general that I would have rather seen. The least you can do is just keep that money spigot turned on for now. Let me spend my kind of limited quantity of dollars on some of these other races around the country, um, such as in Ohio, such as in New Hampshire, Nevada, um, and and just take this one off my plate. Teal, at least um, in kind of public reporting, he hasn't said anything publicly, but you get kind of the, the sources close to Teal say in the Washington Post or whatever, basically sees his own mission as not being uh, to help Mitch McConnell retake the Senate. He's like, look, I got my guy through the Republican primaries. Uh, I feel like my job's done and he doesn't want to kick in a bunch more money. So, so what you've seen is this standoff and what really came to a head last week because McConnell finally basically just said, okay, look, like maybe you're going to spend, maybe you're not going to spend, but I'm going to, but I, I feel like my dollars can be better used elsewhere. And he pulled his, his uh, super PAC, the, the Senate leadership fund pulled all of its spending out of, out of Arizona, which uh, they had initially allotted about $16 million for outside spending there in, in this, in this race. They'd previously cut that by about half at the end of August. And then last week basically said, it's all gone. You know, you're on your own. If other outside groups want to come in, they're welcome to do that. Uh, and, and basically said, you know, Peter Thiel, if you want to come in and try to rescue your guy, you can do that. But we're, we're taking our business elsewhere. Now, this didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened in a sequence. Andrew Ego from the dispatch joining us. The reason McConnell's involved at all is because he's fighting on another front with Rick Scott, who's actually got the job of getting people elected to the Senate as his job as chairmanship. He's been fighting with Rick Scott. He's stepping in because of a lack of funding coming from there. That's part of the story, too, because you got Mitch getting kind of tugged in both. He, From Mitch's point of view, he's going to be like, usually this wouldn't be my job to do this, but I'm stepping in and doing it. That's going on at the same time in parallel to the story. Right, right. There's and 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 you always see. I mean, there's there's always a bunch of different groups that kind of ideally work hand in glove um, with one another, if not with the the campaigns. It's illegal for them to work hand in glove with the campaigns. But you know, just just kind of fellow travelers uh, on on the road road toward getting as many Republicans elected as possible. And the the primary arm of that, as you say, usually the the National Republican Senatorial Committee, which is chaired by Senator Rick Scott of Florida, right now. They, as a as a, just a matter of dollars and cents, have have not been unbelievably productive uh, in the fundraising in getting out the money to Republican can Republican candidates. Uh, that's kind of one leg missing of the stool, and a second leg missing of the stool for a lot of Republican Senate candidates right now is that uh, Donald Trump, despite not being on the ballot and not being in office. Uh, continues to hoover up a remarkable amount of the small dollar Republican donations that are available around the country. Um, he's 
bank got about a hundred million dollars he's currently sitting on in in the bank as as per his most recent FEC reports um, and he has done a little bit but not that much by way of um, you know tossing a little bit here a little bit there to candidates um, so basically with with kind of the small dollar stuff mostly going to Trump and the and the NRSC largely missing in action you always have these these kind of leadership packs that get involved and things like that. But but it's definitely uh, McConnell's pack has has had to sort of take on an outsized role uh, in this particular cycle for for those reasons. Yeah, Andrew Egger joining us. The other part of this story that involves money is uh, Master's opponent, Mark Kelly. And something that for some reason isn't getting covered in the story, but all the insiders I talked to and all the reporters, this is the first thing they mention. Kelly has been an absolute money printer. He's one of the biggest fundraisers for Democrats across the board, not just in the Senate. He's the biggest fundraiser they got, and it's not particularly close. He's got something like $24 million on hand. That's also part of this because it really threw it into sharp relief of, holy cow, this guy, look, he's an astronaut. He's managed to moderate, although he's, you know, fairly mainline progressive in his voting record, he projects pretty moderately. You know, he doesn't, he's not a big social media guy. He's not a big in front of the microphone guy. I think he's running a smart campaign. He's got a ton of money. And you know this because you're a reporter. Where money really does matter is ad buys when you have opposition research against your opponent in a major market. Hello, Phoenix. And Masters has a lot of oppo research. That money difference is the other part of this folks need to pay attention to, isn't it? Because it's massive. Right, right. Yeah. And when, when, when you're talking kind of internal versus external money, when you're talking the money that campaigns themselves have versus, you know, kind of the air support that, that can get dropped in uh, nationally, all this stuff we've been talking about is that is that national external support. But but it's it is by far um, the biggest gap in any close Senate race this year. I mean, there's always uh, incumbents always come in with a with a pretty remarkable, almost always come in with a pretty remarkable cash advantage over their non-incumbent challengers. Uh, but this one is special. Uh, it, at, during the summer reporting uh, FEC cycle, as you as you mentioned, Masters had something, uh, Kelly had something like $25 million in cash on hand. Blake Masters has had something like $1.6 million. I mean, it was it was truly, uh, I mean, like 12, 12 to 1, basically. Uh, and that has not significantly changed. Um, I've, I've heard from sources close to Blake Masters' campaign uh, that they are having their best uh, their best fundraising quarter, but their best fundraising quarter so far, which you would certainly hope so. Uh, but but just as far as the actual kind of spend on the ground, they're not booking ads. I mean, Blake Masters has not it doesn't currently have TV ad buys slated between now and and the midterms uh, for for his campaign period, which is just remarkable for a for a top level swing seat Senate race. He's basically entire, he, he's relied almost entirely on outside spending to get him th this far, um, which formerly was coming almost entirely from Peter Thiel. And now Thiel is out and McConnell is out and he's having to basically piece together, you know, the, the, the only, the only things that are getting spent in the state on his behalf are coming from say like $5 million here from the, from the uh, PAC arm of, of heritage action for America. Uh, the the campaign's arm of the Heritage Foundation, um, little money uh, coming in from the the pack that was Teal's pack before, although it's not Teal's money. You know, a little bit coming in from the the Susan B. Anthony pro life uh, uh, groups, but it's it's all basically. I mean, it's chump change compared to what uh, uh, you know McConnell had slated before, and it's. I mean, you really do see. Uh, 
I don't know if if the rats fleeing a sinking ship is the is the right analogy exactly, but but I mean it's it's it it is kind of an astonishing astonishing spending gap, uh, especially when you consider that Kelly is also already polling a number of points up. Yeah, Andrew Egger joining us, and the other part of this you just mentioned it. I have my own caveat on that. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, when I'm watching politics, one of the things I really pay attention to is when the blame game starts before you actually have a result. That's usually a telltale sign. I think a lot of this McConnell feel stuff and the master stuff and the MAGA stuff, and we're going to talk about Trump in a minute, that part of it too. I think a lot of this is actually the blame game setting up because part of the looming shadow of this race is Arizona is rapidly changing. It's a It's going purple. It's a diversifying state. The demographics are changing. And we're going to do this again basically in, in two years, which basically means in about a year we're going to do this all over again because they're going to primary cinema. And that's going to be another hotly contested race. I think it's not only a blame game. I think we got a lot of positioning going on in Arizona for what's getting ready to happen when they think they might have an easy pickup because they're going to primary cinema. That's going to happen. And we're going to do this all over again in, what, six months, a year, if not sooner? Right. right. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. And I think that, that, that a, a big part of this is that Blake Masters going in was was kind of a, a a trial balloon candidate for a specific kind of of political coalition, um, a coalition maybe that exists more online than anything else. I mean, he's he's supposed to be one of these guys who is quote unquote quote unquote based. Um, you know, sim- uh, I still don't know what that means. Maybe I'm on. Basically, cool. Can you explain <laughs> it to me because well, everybody seems to have a different definition. <laughs> it, like my kid's saying slay. 
yeah, it's yeah. Just play. I don't know what it means, but based huh? in Master's case, it essentially is just supposed to mean that that he is more aligned with the kind of very online new right, um, somewhat like J.D. Vance, more willing to kind of use the levers of state power to accomplish right wing ends, less committed to uh, sort of setting up and establishing a, a sort of value neutral liberal sphere of 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 lawmaking um, sort of as a backdrop for political struggles to play out against uh, a lot more skeptical of foreign intervention, a lot more skeptical, skeptical of big tech um, more and, and big tech probably as the primary uh, avenue in which they're more comfortable using what, what more classical conservatives um, would, would see as kind of unacceptably uh, strong arm tactics uh, interfering with markets to basically break the political power of companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter. Um, so, so he's, he's sort of seen as being at the vanguard of a lot of that stuff, even though obviously in a lot of times perception and, and, and reality don't necessarily line up. Um, but, but because there's a big political coalition online uh, that, that wants to see a lot more candidates like masters, it is not a good thing for masters just to kind of like go up and smoke under his own power, which, which to be fair, I mean, uh, to be fair to that coalition, it's not like Masters has run a super tight race and worked super hard and is now coming up short. I mean, these these things like like the fundraising and and some of the kind of policy headaches that he's caused for himself seem to have a lot more to do with just kind of like being a political rookie than they do with any particular uh, you know political coalition that he represents. He's just, I mean, he he didn't seem to think he would need to raise his own money coming into the race and, and pound the pavement and do that. Um, and now that's coming back to bite him. Um, but obviously since he is sort of a figurehead of, 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 of this kind of movement, you've already seen a lot of these people, a lot of these kind of new, right, more MAGA guy, MAGA type guys setting up this, this move of McConnell to pull away as like the thing that, that maybe is going to have sunk the master's campaign, which is, which is, I mean, in my in my analytical point of view, extremely transparently, just a cover. It, uh, be, uh, but but what you've seen is um, probably the most prominent move of this kind. I mean, obviously there have been a lot of op eds kind of chastising Ms. Mitch McConnell from media aligned with these people. Um, but the chair of the uh, state Republican Party, who is uh, Kelly Ward, who's a very um, just kind of very very MAGA type grassroots person. I mean, like she she was all in on the election fraud stuff. Um, a couple of years ago still is that that sort of thing. Um, she sent an open letter to McConnell immediately prior to his pulling out the the, the move. And the, I guess she she sent it. The state party sent it. She's the chair. Um, basically just saying, look, this is a winnable race. We really need you to double down here. Um, we really, really think that, you know, the more you spend, the better off we are. And and it, it, you know, she didn't just send it to Mitch McConnell. It's an open letter, right? It's it's setting him up to kind of to be the fall guy um, if and when Masters loses. Um, and you can obviously you can see why uh, they would they would rather it be McConnell, the kind of the kind of er establishment guy uh, who they could point the figure at finger at rather than saying, OK, uh, was Blake Masters a bad, bad candidate? Is this sort of campaign a non-starter uh, in a swing state? That sort of thing. Yeah. And for those of you that are uninitiated, go back a couple of years. Kelly Ward does not like Mitch McConnell at all and she's very public and there's a lot of video on it if you want to look it up yourself we're continuing our conversation with andrew egger of the dispatch does great work okay the looming thing in every single race on the republican side is what's donald trump doing well he says a lot of stuff he truth socials a lot of stuff because he can't tweet anymore he releases statements about a lot of stuff 
But what do we start with with our conversation? Following the money usually tells us a lot about these campaigns. He's not spending a lot of money on these races, even ones like this, where it looks like he's got a candidate of his choice and a spot to actually make a difference. Right, right. So so the big question here, and this is a development even since I wrote the piece we've been talking about, um, it is not necessarily such an... Uh, such a slam dunk that Donald Trump isn't spending anymore. Uh, there was a piece of news over the weekend um, that that his campaign is, or at least advisors close to him, again, not the campaign, um, have been setting up a new uh, super PAC to, that, 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 that in theory they could use to funnel a lot more money in, into these midterms. I mean, you can do it, you can stand these things up pretty quickly. Um, the campaign could, could put money into the PAC and then the PAC could be used, um, you know, to, to, to help out guys like masters. Um, and you have actually, I mean, Mitch McConnell spoke approvingly about this. Um, we don't yet know what that's going to look like, how, whether it's a flash in the pan, whether it's like real money, whether he's really going to like put a lot, put a lot behind this to prop up guys like masters. Um, masters is endorsed by Trump. A lot of these guys, uh, in these swing States won their primaries largely on the back of, of a Trump endorsement. So it would seem like it would make a lot of sense. Um, unless he makes the, um, uh, analytical assumption that, that Masters is so far underwater that he's better off trying to trying to shore up his guys elsewhere. Um, but but in theory, this is the the other reason why McConnell might have pulled out of of the the Masters race, not because he necessarily sees it as a lost cause, but just to to really put the pressure on both Teal and Trump to, to hopefully get more involved. So I think you'd certainly, uh, Mitch McConnell would certainly breathe a sigh of relief to see any more money flowing into, into his, his guys races, you know, even, even, even down in places where he is no longer spending himself. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on that because Trump's got a lot of other expenses, i.e. legal expenses coming on that you can, you can differ the numbers and get the campaign cash to that in certain ways. I suspect that's probably what he's doing there. That's basically, yeah, yeah. The, the legal step is basically the only thing he's been spending money on out of his hundred million in the bank for the past several months. And to be fair, he's got good reason to want to hoard some money for legal things coming up from the look of things. Let's talk about these candidates for a second. You mentioned Peter Thiel's two candidates are Blake Masters and J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance, and this isn't my opinion, this is sourced, has consistently refused to get any kind of outside help, whether it was conservative help, MAGA help, the libertarians. I know for a fact reached out. I talked to them about it. He's refused any outside help at all, and it shows. Now, Ohio's red enough. He may get away with it and slide through anyway. Hersher Walker down in, in Georgia started out kind of a disaster. About six, seven weeks ago, he accepted outside help. They got some campaign folks in there. His numbers are coming back up. He's doing smart stuff now, like downplaying his poll. You know, that strategy stuff. He didn't just come out and say that. He got some help. It's not just the money. You actually have to run a campaign, too. The money's one thing, but do you see Blake Masters getting any offers or any help from the outside whatsoever to try to turn this around at this late hour? Because if they're not going to give him money, if there's no money, there's none of those same consultants that are bailing out Herschel Walker and those folks going to come running because you ain't going to be paying them. Right. Yeah. They have had some, some staff turnover and I'm, I'm not incredibly well-versed on the details of, of how it all went down. I mean, I, he, his campaign manager either quit or was fired uh, a month ago or something like that. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the basic problem that you identify. I mean, it's, 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 there are, there are better places to go if you are like a crack operative than the Blake masters campaign in Arizona. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're they're basically keeping the lights on and and that's it as far as their internal money is concerned so so yeah it's a real problem i i have not heard anything about kind of a rescue team coming in for for blake masters 
What do we make of McConnell here? Because he's getting towards the end. If they don't get the majority back, it's hard to see where maybe they probably won't get it the next cycle either. The it's it's not even po- politics. Like the Senate runs more to the cycle than the House does because you got certain races in certain places. A third of the Senate every two years, you can kind of guess where it's going to go. This seems like a weird way for him to spend his last hurrah. Does he do this out of duty? Do you think? Does he really think they got a chance of taking the Senate? What do you think his motivations here, or is there a little bit of pride involved here of like, no, wait a minute, I'm still in charge here, especially with the Rick Scott stuff going on behind his back. Like, no, no, I'm in charge. Let me flex a little bit here because I've got the money to do it. Yeah, I've I've always felt like Mitch McConnell is one of the easiest guys to do kind of psychoanalysis on in all of politics. I mean, it's like he lives, he wakes up every morning trying to maximize Republicans' chances of retaking the body and making him majority leader again, right? <laughs> so those those odds have slimmed somewhat over the over the summer. It's not looking as good that he's going to get that back from Chuck Schumer as it did before. But it's all, I mean, it's just, you can usually just count on McConnell to make the high percentage play. So he has a certain amount of dollars to spend in his pack uh, to try to, you know, find some path, uh, some strategic path back to the majority. Um, and he's just, he's just taking the play. Uh, that that maximizes that. And I think, I mean, it, it, as far as pride and things are concerned, I just think he's he's been willing to to eat a lot of indignity all through the Trump era. He's he's usually willing to be the bad guy. He doesn't doesn't kind of he doesn't have a tendency to kind of blink in the face of these kind of pressure campaigns of like, well, look, if you don't if you don't sort of go along with this strategic line, you're going to look really bad in conservative media, which is also part of the reason why he's, he's become such a conservative media villain. a lot of the time, it's just kind of the, the proto establishment guy. Um, I've, I see basically no reason to believe that there's anything other than strategic considerations uh, going into a lot of these things. Some people have said, yeah, uh, Blake Masters uh, was kind of insulting to Mitch McConnell during the, during the primary. And maybe that's why um, I don't necessarily buy that mastered masters had already significantly moderated his tone on McConnell after he won the primary McConnell's been McConnell's hosted fundraisers for him in DC. Um, so it does seem, I mean, in theory that, 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 that line is there. I think if he, if, if masters does lose, people will make a lot of that. But, but again, I just think, I think the easiest analytical line and usually the most accurate one is, is McConnell's, trying to help Republicans retake the Senate by by any means necessary. Yeah, Andrew Eger of the Dispatch joining us. You mentioned it specifically in your piece. I kind of was setting that up for this because whatever you think of cocaine match, good, bad, or indifferent, he wants the Republicans to win, the party to win, raise, the, raise all boats. If he's got to do a little dirty work to do that, he'll do that. If he has to do whatever, he wants the Senate. That's his sole goal. The reason that's clashing with people like Peter Thiel, with people like Donald Trump, with the MAGA wing of the party, is because they first and foremost want a specific kind of candidate to win. And then they think about majorities somewhat secondly. That's the conflict. And this is not going to be the last time the GOP deals with this. They're going to deal with this in 2024, whether it's Trump or somebody else. This is ingrained into the GOP dynamic right now, isn't it? This insider, outsider, the old guard that understands that you got to legislate, folks that want a specific kind of purity candidates. This isn't going away anytime soon, is it? No, definitely. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that, you know, M- McConnell is too good of a kind of heel for the the MAGA people for them to stop going after him. And there's really no downside to it because at the end of the day, he doesn't, he doesn't really punch back. I mean, if, if Donald Trump becomes president again, Mitch McConnell is going to be his most valuable ally again. Um, 
and and that's just kind of full stop in terms of getting the things passed that that he wants to get passed. So uh, so I think we are likely to continue to see this exact same um, kind of one dynamic in the actual uh, in 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 the actual power centers of of Washington and another dynamic completely playing out in in Trump's statements and and MAGA Twitter and conservative media, uh, basically up until the point when either Donald Trump or Mitch McConnell, uh, their meal ticket runs out and they step away. Yeah, I'm not taking the over under on which one of them gets out of politics first, because it's basically going to be one of them is going to have to pass away. I'm afraid that's the only reason either one of those are going to give it up. Well, McConnell well, they, doesn't have term limits, so that helps. But um, but you know, they, not, one one once more and done at best for for Trump, right? You'd think so, but you know, look, they call Mitch the turtle for a reason, and it it is a backhanded compliment. He you you use the term heel. That's a pro wrestling term for those of you that are uninitiated. He plays the bad guy on purpose to get the result he wants. He understands that he can take the flack. He's electric. He's electorally secure. That's why he can tolerate things like Trump because you know Trump really can't touch him, so he can play along. That's very much ingrained in who Mitch McConnell is. So yeah, Blake Masters can absolutely trash him in the primary and then turn around asking for help, and he's going to eat it and go do it because he thinks it. When they lose Mitch McConnell in the GOP in the Senate, I don't think the GOP and especially maybe the MAGA wing realize the lightning rod that they're losing. He's umbrellaed a lot of crap off of the GOP over the years. He's gotten a lot of stuff done. Whether you like him or not, he's effective. Like it was shocking when Schumer got one over on him on Bill Back Mansion. That's how good he is, is that it surprised people, right? I don't think people realize when Mitch steps off the scene what a void that's going to leave in the GOP in Washington and how they actually get stuff done, is it? Well, it's hard to imagine who the next one up would be. I mean, I, I, it's impossible for the me to imagine John Rick Scott. Well, the, the, the John's, the John's more so than Scott, I think. I think, you know, yeah. I mean, Cornyn could, I could, could do it. Doom could do it. I don't, I have no idea um, what, what they'd look like. Cause I haven't talked to anybody close to any of the three of them about what that would look like. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, I haven't covered other majority leaders uh, than, than him and Schumer. He's been around a while, but, but, but I mean, I think you're exactly right with the lightning rod analogy. That's been the big, just taking the pressure off of off of individual members as far as like hard votes is concerned. Letting th- that is one of the biggest differences between Trump and and McConnell as far as the actual act of legislation is concerned is that McConnell, as long as he had the votes to pass something, was always more than happy to to bless individual senators who needed to peel off for this or that or the other ideological reason. Um, whereas Trump, every vote that he cared about was a purity test um, where he kind of dared all of the, everybody in both houses to cross him at their peril, you know? Um, and, and it was, yeah, it's just two different, two very different styles. One of which is more conducive to having more Republicans in office in the long run than the other. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch Andrew Egger of the dispatch, big doings at the dispatch. You are moving over. You're going back to a website based thing. You got some big names coming in lately. Uh, let folks know what's going on over at the dispatch where you've been working, where I've been reading. It's a daily read for me. I'm subscribed to it, but let folks know, cause y'all got some big doings going on over there. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Um, so the, the couple names we've hired recently, Kevin Williamson over from national review, uh, Ala pundit who we now have to refer to as Nick Katogio Katogio. I actually don't know how you pronounce his last name. It's hard not to just say all pundit over from over from hot air. It's been concerning. They both came in and like started writing a lot very quickly and kind of, I think, put the pressure on everybody else to to up our own output. Um, but those have been those have been great. Um, 
got to meet Kevin uh, at a at a staff retreat we had a, a week or two ago. Um, have yet to actually meet Nick, uh, aka Ala Pundit, but looking forward to that as well. And then yeah, we are we are officially uh, in the next couple of months here saying farewell to Substack where we have lived uh, since we launched in 2019. They've been they've been a useful platform for us to grow, but uh, um, but I it, I think the consensus is that we have kind of outgrown them and and that they are. Uh, it's they're basically just it, it was our, our partnership was that with them was kind of a trial balloon to be like could you run like a full company through this through this product as opposed to what they what they had kind of initially set themselves up for which is like individual writers with their newsletters um and i think that that as we got larger you know the, for a very small uh editorial company maybe the answer is yes uh for a small to medium sized one, increasingly no, just in terms of the the amount of control we had over our own our own back end and things like that. But but uh, but hopefully that part will not actually be a big deal to anybody because we're trying to make it as kind of seamless and it's not going to be a big splashy new, not a lot of new bells and whistles on the on the new site or anything like that. But but hopefully uh hopefully it'll still be a, a good experience for for people on the other side. Yeah, and Ala Pondit, I'm I'm not even going to try to call him Nick. It's just going to be too weird. He he's one of the few writers agree or disagree, and I didn't always agree with him. He was just he's one of the few writers like when something broke, I was like, I want to know what Al Pundit thinks about it. He's that good. Um, for folks that have never read him, uh, left, right, or center, he's one of those I tell uh, my progressive friends like, you need to read this guy. Like he's one of the guys. He's basically been a daily read for years for me. So I was very excited for you guys to get him. Yeah, and we if something know- breaks, if something breaks, I mean odds are he has written about it. I mean, unbelievably yeah. prolific output and just, and but, but like really thoughtful. I mean, it's not, it's not, he's just kind of firing off half big takes. It's always very, I, the, the, the kind of like the intersection of high quality and high quantity. Uh, I, I don't know that I've seen anything like it <laughs> before. Yeah. And, and, and Williamson is the combustible element. He, he goes there. He has a unique writing style that you just, you got to read it, whether you, you hate read it or love read it. You got to read it because the way he writes. So um, we'll be watching with success. Andrew Eggers, always thrilled to have you. Let folks know where your social media is till we get you back on Hartel again. It will not be as long as last time, my friend, because we're going to have a very busy fall, I think. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, find me on Twitter, Egger DC. Find me at the dispatch.com where I, uh, uh, have my writing up pretty frequently. Edit the morning newsletter. Uh, come say hi. Yep, fantastic stuff, Andrew Eger. Thank you so much for the time, sir. Thank you. money on your outdoor project now at menards we have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat right now all fvp lawn and garden and marine batteries are on sale through may 5th check out our entire selection of fvp batteries today and view our weekly flyer on menards.com for more great deals save big money